From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And Big C here. Thank you very much, Shaggy. As usual, with me for Off the Record episode 46, I have once again the one, the only, Stinky Pete. <laughs> and it's great to be back. It's It's been all seven days since. Yeah, it's been a whole seven. Days. Been on. We seem to have lost an American since uh, the last uh, episode. We so. have, yeah. Sean, yeah, was. he's good fun. Me. Good fun with Sean on here. Sean, Sean B. Um, yeah. So here I am again, as live, live from the birthplace of radio, Chelmsford, in the United right. Kingdom, the city of Chelmsford. Just for Slim Nick's benefit, because he hates it's it when I say like it's the, um, city. That like the city of Southend, apparently. Yeah? Well, it's, it's, it's been awarded city status, I think, hasn't it? But um, I don't think they got it quite yet. No. Very strange. I mean... Um, yeah, but it is. It's worth it. Marconi had his first um, wireless factory set up here in 1899. Probably wasn't a city back then, Chelsea, Chelsea, actually, but it's certainly the birthplace of radio, which is always quite appropriate because CBW Radio is radio resurrected, so it all sort of... All follows, all follows. There's a circularity there. I'm impressed. Well, we've had, um, well, a pretty grim week in many in many respects, of course. Um, music stops for no one, though, it would appear, as we carried on. Some, um, hu- I don't know whether you saw some of these humorous, um, did you see the Diane Abbott uh, interview <laughs> that went wrong? <laughs> when, she, when she claimed... What is Diane Abbott anyway? In in terms of the Labour Party, what is she? Is she the deputy? Oh, I, I don't know. Deputy she Prime is, Minister. She, is she? She's kind of on the. She's vague. She, I mean, given that the Labour Party isn't really a left wing party anymore, it's kind of slightly left of centre, isn't it? She's yeah. she's left of left of the bit in the middle. But um, yeah, isn't she MP for? Is she Hackney or something? Oh, it could be Hackney. Yeah, could I think Hackney. she's Hackney. Yeah. But yeah. when she said, uh, you know, talking about the Russian invasion of Croatia, I thought that was quite. Um, Sort yeah. of humorous in a way. <laughs> a surprise for the Croatians. But then An again, apology. <laughs> but then again, last <laughs> night in the State of the Union, which I've got to be honest, Joe Biden didn't really do the full West Wing routine there, did he? Um, he, he did. He did say, um, I think I'm right in saying that um, uh, that we supported the Iranians as opposed to the Ukrainians, and that's oh. slightly different, don't you think, mm. Iran? They should, they should do their research, though, really, shouldn't they? They, I think. they should. I mean, you know, it's, it's important to know where the countries are, but it's like Liz Truss not knowing where the Black Sea was and, and Dominic Raab not knowing where anywhere is, um, not knowing <laughs> the, how important Dover is. I mean, we've... Well, he's only the Foreign Secretary, though, isn't he? Well, I know. Globally, we seem to have a political class which are absolutely knuckle-draggingly stupid. <laughs> Did you see that brilliant tweet from, as I know, as a guy you follow... Um, who referred to Pretty Patel as Sauron's dwarf. I just thought that was brilliant. <laughs> just the greatest description ever. Anyway, uh, we're not supposed to be yeah, talking onwards, about Onwards, yeah. I mean, these mistakes, they, they do happen. I, even I'm changing the subject slightly. Sky Sports News. I saw a tweet today. Um, it was Graham. Did you see that one? Well, yes. they, apolo- they had to make an apology oh, no. you believe to it? Uh, the, is it Wraith Rovers? Or I don't think he's playing for them anymore. Wraith Rovers footballer. Uh, yes, David Goodwillie, which, yeah. which is a joke in itself, I suppose. <laughs> um, 
they had to apologize because they ruled they said that there was a, a ruling in a civil case in 2017 that he had been ruled to be a, a racist but in fact the ruling was that he was a rapist so they had to apologize to him which of those That's is a strange set of events, isn't it? It's <laughs> strange. It's not exactly getting you off the hook, is it? Really? Not really. Not really. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, we are talking singles this week from 1969. Regardless of any world events, we just keep going. I, I posted earlier on tw- and on Twitter early, uh, saying because uh, you know I post all these songs incessantly yeah, yeah. every yeah. day on social yeah. media. And it, it's sort of beginning to feel like I'm one of the one of the fiddlers on the Titanic, just carrying on playing. Yes. <laughs> whilst all hell breaks loose around, whether it be Spurs, which we won't go into at all after no, that, no, do not mention off, or world events. Yeah, we're talking singles from 1969. So what released in 1969? So um, that's important. Whether yeah, it be in the UK, few, I suspect most of them are. Sixty-eight, which bled over into sixty-nine, but I ignored all of those. Yeah, likewise. Um, yeah, try to be released in the UK generally, but it could be the US released. But it's got to be in nineteen sixty-nine. I, I think we've got ten each. We have, um, but we have a number of honourable mentions, no doubt as well. When you said you were up to about twenty the other day, I thought, oh, I better, I better put my other ones down, my reserves which I have, and I've left them out for various reasons. I mean, I've got another 10 on top of the 10, but... Well, I've got 10 on top of the 10 as well. Yeah, a number of them. We've we've talked about fairly recently in various shows, whether it be One Hit Wonders, whether it be David Bowie, whether it be... Yeah, I think uh, we might be talking about some of the same ones in that case. Yeah, or or whether it might be another show, uh, film, film themes or whatever. Um, so I didn't want to mention those again because, you know, we've rabbited on too much about them anyway. So, yes. yeah, hopefully they're all different ones. So what have we got? We're going to go back to 1969. What a year that was, no doubt. Um, I, just, well, I just got a book about 1969. I literally bought it last week before we decided to do 1969. All right. Well, it, 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 it is quite interesting, isn't it? Because 69 is kind of the bookend of it, 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 so there was the that whole, yeah very good Colin <laughs> yes of course it was in, you mean in the same way that 1960 was the other bookend yeah yes yeah. right yes it was but what I mean is there was the summer of love in 67 there was the um, the year of anarchy in 68 and then there was 69 which was the year that it all fell apart and everything died so on the one hand you've got Woodstock which was this kind of you know, the kind of coming together of the hippie dream and all of that stuff and you know, yep. peace and love. But then you also had Altamont, uh, which was, you know, where it all fell spectacularly off the tracks. And then you had, um, you know, the beginning or sort of Vietnam. And she, it, it was it, yeah, it was a messy, it was a messy time in history, really. Something um, good must have happened in 69. Something good must have happened in 69. I was reading a few historical events. I can't remember. I was looking for them just now, but I can't, I can't find them anyway. Um, I, think, I think the first jumbo jet Boeing 747 was uh, premiered it was in 1969. Flown, it, it was flown for the first time. It didn't go into service until 1970, did it? Or uh, there you go. And, of and course, we did put a man on the moon. 
Concord was maybe Concord. Maybe I was thinking Concord had a test flight or something. Maybe that was 69. Could we did well put a man be. on the moon. We did put a man on the moon. That turned that out. Was okay. fairly, well, that was fairly significant. Unless you're a conspiracy theorist and say that you didn't actually go. Well, in that case, no you put a man in a, in a warehouse in Nevada. I mean, that's your other option. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going with a man. I'm going with a man. I'm going with a man on the moon. I'm definitely well. going True. with a man because I saw it. I watched it happen. You were there. So, so therefore, it, therefore, it's true. Not on the moon, but you were <laughs> no. there. <laughs> no, right. Let's get on with these singles then, shall we? Yeah. Why don't um, you go first this time? All right, then. As I said, I've left off um, some. I'll leave them to the end. The uh, sort of provisionals, reserves. If you mention them, I can obviously throw my bit in as well. Um, okay, my first one then. Sorry, is, sorry. Are you doing this in order, or is this no? Like- they're not in any particular order. I'm okay, not as you know thorough I as stinky people. Well, well done, well done. Um, I I could do. I mean, this probably this one I've got here. The first two, maybe I'll give one of them. Might be one of my favourites, actually, if not up there. Uh, it was really. I don't know how many clues you want with these things, but it was released in April. Possibly May. Uh, the album that it came from was um, called Nashville Skyline. Do you know that one? I, I'm aware of the album, and in fact, I saw it, but I can't remember who it is. Okay, it was his ninth album, and it was Bob Dylan. It was, yes, you're right. I was just about to say it was Bob Dylan. Well done, yeah. So you're doing well tonight. My, he was on my... He was on my, not my five, but my reserve, reserve five. So Is it he, going to be the same song, though? Because there were a no, couple of songs from not. that album. Um, this was the, it got to number, not very high. Didn't, it wasn't a massive hit. It got to number 85 in the US. Um, slightly better in the UK at number 30. It was one of the first songs he recorded for the album, which is actually probably my favourite Dylan album, in fact. Um about um, a lost love by being cruel and angry. Um, Unlike a lot of Dylan's songs in the past, I'm trying to think of the examples like It Ain't Me, Babe, um, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, to name but two, where he doesn't really take responsibility for the failure of the uh, relationship. This one he does. So whether it's sort of autobiographical, I don't know, or semi-autobiographical, like a lot of these songs. Um, Nick Cave in 1975 said it's a song he wished he'd have written. Um, and Laura Marling. Do you know Laura Marling? Singer? Sort of a folk singer. Okay, well, it probably won't mean a lot then. But she said it feels like he is opening up and he shows his super vulnerable side lets his voice soar like I've never really heard before. And it's so sincere. I'd give him another chance if I was the one he was singing to, that's for sure. Now, the song is called I Threw It All Away. Oh, no. It's not, not, not the one, one you were I, thinking not of. Not the one I had, so obviously it was the other one. Okay, the other one <laughs> I assume. Well it's not on your 10, is it, the other one? No, no, no. no okay, what, are you thinking of Lay, Lady, Lay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. That was on my. It was on my initial twenty, and I when I pared it down, that was one of the ones I'd been. Yeah, grammatically poor. Lay, lady, lay. <laughs> Should be lie, of course. Should be lie, lady, lie. 
let's get it right. Um, it's, you know, you know me and my grandma. I do like a bit of it. Grandma. Well, me too, but I mean, it just doesn't work as well. But it's it, it's it's a wonderful song, and I mean, as you know, Dylan has got a reputation, quite understandably, really, that he's not the best of vocalists, but he sure can write a tune. But he's this, a poet, isn't he? He's a poet who writes good songs, and then unfortunately made the decision to sing them rather than have someone else do it for him. Well, yeah, okay. But th- this one, actually, funnily enough, having said all of that, is one where he is actually singing. And he, he, you can actually tell. Yeah, he actually, he's got a bit of a voice there. In a Dylan-esque way, but he's definitely singing. Um, and, I mean, I've, the lyric, I've got a lyric, the last, the, last, um, the last verse. So if you find someone who gives you all her love, take it to your heart. Don't let it stray. Or one thing's for certain, you will surely be a hurting if you throw it all away. So it's a superb song, beautiful song. Okay. Short, which some people will say is good for Dylan, uh, but it's probably only a couple of minutes long, but it's a, it's a lovely song. Okay. And that's my number one. Okay. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 10 to 1, so I'm going bottom to top. Okay. okay. So my number 10... And I, this time, unlike me, I have gone for a very, very eclectic mix of styles and types. So, but largely, because I think part of this is to do with the fact that in 69, I was 11 or 12, depending upon the time of the year, when it was released. Um, depending when it was. Um, and so I guess that, uh, that I, I know all of these songs as a kid just about to become a teenager um and so and, and a lot of them are the ones that i've then you know loved going onwards um but um but these are ones that really resonate with you know, second year at grammar school or first year at grammar school and just that time of your life anyway so the first one is uh, a march uk number one I thought you were saying there's a march. Like, a, like oh, another damn busters, is it? You no, know? <laughs> definitely not. Um, you know, me in the military. Uh, no, so it was a march. It was a march release. Yep. Um, it got to number one, and it was in the charts for seven weeks. Got to number one. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Um, and it was definitely released this year. Didn't sort of... Colin... Yeah, well, if it was in done March, your research in March, yes, I have done my research. It was released in March, not made number one in March. Well, I, I listen. I just went with the time that it spent the most period in the charts. Clearly, okay. there's more than seven weeks. There's more than March has less than seven weeks, so it obviously bled into a different month. Whether it was February or April, I neither know nor care. <laughs> what I do know is I have a very strong memory of it as a, a song as a kid. You, no more clues. Um, it's vaguely reggae. Vaguely reggae. Like Scar? Like Scar? No idea. At this point, I lose interest with the different (laughs) nomenclatures. It's not a Desmond Decker, is it? Yes, it Uh is Desmond Decker. And the Israelites. The Israelites, yeah. Which You're going to tell me you understand the lyrics, (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I absolutely loved it when I was that age. It was one of those songs where... 
you'd hear it come on on the radio and you'd Good go, tune. I'm not, I don't know why I like this, but I really, really do. Um, and, you know, that was at a stage where I was kind of, you know, listening to the chart show and everything. And when it got to number one, I remember being dead chuffed that it had made it because I thought it should. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just one of those songs which I have a, a very fond memory of, of, you know, a kid of that age, as are a lot of these. Um, but I think it's a good song in its own right. I don't know anything else that Desmond Decker ever did. Oh, it actually, didn't he have another hit? Called, didn't he have another hit around the same time? A follow-up or he something? He had, um, yeah, dub, uh, was 007, that was his, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, yeah. But I think you also had one, uh, you can get it if you really want that one. Was that Desmond Decker? Right. I okay. think that was Desmond so, Decker. Yeah. That might have been a little bit later. Yeah. Right. So he did. So he had a few. But but I, but Israelites is for me is, I mean, that's his, that's what he's known for, isn't it? And um, I just think it's uh, no idea. I don't know anything about him. I know nothing about his band. I don't know what he looked like. I've yeah, no idea whether he's alive or dead. I, I just like the song. Well, that's fair enough. There yes, we go. Desmond Decker and the Aces, I think it was released by um probably the first number one in the uk of that type of sound if you like whether it be reggae whether it be scar or uh, what's the other one that was around around that time was it before or after it was double barrel no, that, was, that, was Collins. Collins. that was way later that, that was, was way later uh, so obviously it beat that was, to the pinch that was 72 because that was number one on my 14th birthday. And there was that Twitter thing about the song that is number one on your 14th birthday is the one that uh, it is, says something about your life. I said, well, what the hell does that say about my life? If it was double barrel. <laughs> double but, barrel. <laughs> I've no idea what was number one on my 14th birthday. Um, do some research. Probably a good year, though. Probably a good year. I, I would say... Oh. When were you 14? I'm, I'm trying to go. I'm oh. feeling it might have been Gary Glitter or something like that. Like, yeah. I love, I love you, love me, love, or yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Anyway, got double go. barrel, and I've got a paedophile as my number yes. one. Maybe it's, it's, isn't great, is it? It's going well. <laughs> right. Okay. Desmond Decker. Desmond Decker. I get my teeth in the Israelites. Yep. Good tune. Good tune. Like it. It's not in my list, not in my reserve list, but it is a good tune. I believe Graham had it on his list, actually. Graham knows his stuff. Right, on to my next one. Back to March 69. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to give you too many clues. You're going to get it straight away anyway. Uh, It featured on the 1969 rock opera album called Tommy. Right. Well, according to me, that was April. But anyway, you've got that one. You've got got that one. Well, which one have you got? I've got 7th of March, 1969 as a release date. Was it in in the chart for six weeks and it got as high as number four? It got to number four, definitely. Number of weeks in the chart, I do not have. About your superior knowledge there. Therefore, it was Pinball Wizard. Pinball Wizard, yeah, great Which song. Which is my number three. Okay, so I've nicked, I've nicked it. I've that's all right. That's good. Then. You're going to nick several of these, I suspect. All right, that's good. It got to number nineteen in the US, not as high. Um, Pete Townsend claimed it was, which is very strange because I always thought Pete Townsend was, and he, he admitted himself uh, strangely 
he, he's always been the most intelligent member of the band. By a country mile. <laughs> it must be. I mean, Roger Daltrey is a bit of a bit of a knuckle dragger, isn't knuckle he, dragger. these days? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Keith Moon, well, I'm uh, not too sure about John Entwistle, but he's a bassist. Normally they're quite quiet, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, um, relatively good musicians as well. Yeah, perhaps so. Um, he claimed it was the most clumsy bit of writing that he'd ever done. But he is a perpetual live favourite of The Who, and um, I know you like to have songs that are performed live. That's what you, you know, that's one of your grades, isn't it? it is one of if they perform them live still, still performing live, yeah, yeah, then you know they're good. Not that I've ever seen the Who live, have you? I saw them at the Isle of Wight in 2016 or whenever they, yeah, I went to the Isle of Wight Festival, it's the only time I've ever been, and it was the Who on the headlined on the Saturday and then Queen headlined on the Sunday. But it was the version of Queen with Adam Lambert, therefore I quite enjoyed it. Um, but um, but no, yeah. So I saw them then. They were they were. I'm not a massive Who fan, but I love Pinball Wizard and I love Tommy. It's one of my favourite albums, and I play it very very regularly. In fact, I played it earlier this week. It's um it's a terrific album. It is a, it's a great song. It's a great song. Um, Billboard call it a solid beat rocker. Yeah, I think to the point. I think. Um, it's one of those the, songs. Sorry, in the in no. the movie uh, adaptation in '75, of course, Elton he did. Um, sang it um, in big well, boots, very big yes. boots. Well, he's huge. normally in big boots. He's yeah, no, but they were they were huge even by Elton standards. Oh, okay, that <laughs> uh, is big. Um, <laughs> it wasn't actually released because it was only available, as, I think, as a promotional single in America. That's the Elton John version. It wasn't actually a hit. Technically, it wasn't a hit, although it was released in the UK a year later and got to number seven. But in terms of the two versions comparing, there isn't any much to it, I think. I mean, for me, The Who, the original version is so much better. Well, I just think the whole Tommy was just such a strong album and you could pick half a dozen songs off it, which are classics i mean i think it's about the who i know a lot of people say who's next is but i think tommy's mm. the best. I, I don't i don't hold out that tommy isn't as good as quadrophenia i mean it's you know not even close to being i, 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 I don't understand why people think quadrophenia is better than tommy anyway there we go um, to be fair i don't mind quadrophenia either i, don't I, mind I think quadrophenia. i prefer tommy I don't tommy, mind quadrof- quadrof- tommy quadrophenia and who's next i'd say right there the three yeah um, i agree i agree but, but yeah i mean were they more, I suppose, given that those are rock operas that they got, both of those, um, they were more of a singles band than an album band, I suspect. I, I agree, except for those two. Those two, yeah. But I think what, what's really strong about Pinball Wizard is that it's one of those songs where as soon as you hear the opening chords, you know what it is. Mm, yeah. and, I, and I just think, and it, it's like any song where as soon as you hear it, you go, yes, I, you know, I know what's coming and I love it. There, and, and Pinball Wizard has that about it. It's brilliant. You just wanted to get yes into it there, didn't you? No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to mention yes at all this week. <laughs> I may mention some more prog, but I ain't mentioning them. So. Yeah, well, might not get away without the Beatles today, honestly. <laughs> um, right, so that's Pinball Wizard, The Who. That's my second one. What is, and that's also your number three, so we jump yes. out of turn there for you, but what is your next that's one? It'll be number nine. 
Yeah, so my number nine, this is another one which I have very, very fond memories of uh, just from the era and singing along to it um, uh, with my kid brother when it was on the radio. And it was just such a, um, not weird, but just, it doesn't, there's nothing else like it really. Um, It's an August release, again, seven weeks in the charts, and it also got to number one. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Mm. Is is there a who connection to this? No idea. Okay. Not that I know of. Are, are they a one hit wonder? They may well be a one hit wonder. I don't think there's anything else by them. Okay. Um could it be Thunderclap Newman? No. Oh, okay. No, we had one of them on one thing. Yeah, that's right. And it was on my reserve list, but I didn't include it because of that. No, there, there was a Who connection because it was produced by Pete Townsend. I think he was bassist on there as well. well we, talked um, on, uh, we talked about that on the One It Wonders show. Mm, or you did. Uh, no, we've got no more clues then. Yeah. Okay. It is. I might have it here. You never know. Zager and Evans. Oh, in the year 2525. 25. Yeah. yeah. Which is a great song. And, and it was really, it was weird because you, you kind of, you go, oh, 2025, that's not very far. It's only three years. And you go, no, no, 25, 25. 25 that's a very long way, like 500 years into the future. The way things are going, there ain't going to be 500 years in the future. So, um, yeah. But uh, again, it's one of those songs where it's just a very strong memory of a point in time and growing up. Um, and it, it, again, it's a good song. It's got a, it, you know, it, it's one of those ones where, it's instantaneous. You know what it is. Um, you know what's coming. It's got a good chorus. Um, it, I, is it a kind of doomsday kind of thing? You know, if we're still alive, who knows? Maybe they just. It is. I, I mean, it says here in the year twenty-five opens with an introductory verse explaining that if mankind has survived to that point, they would yeah. witness the subsequent events in the song. Yeah. So it was vaguely Armageddon. Um, yeah, it was. But, um, but yeah, and but not not usually. I mean, not necessarily a song for you know a subject for a pop song. I mean, you could you know it would appear on something by Iron Maiden or whatever. But um, yes. but not um, but not uh, not usually in a pop song. But uh, which again, I think is what makes it stand out. It's a bit different, isn't it? And I like ones well, that. Do you know different. what comes in after brackets after in the year twenty five twenty five? If we're still alive, no. That's no. a song title in the year twenty five twenty five, Exordium and Terminus. Oh, and right now I saw that and I thought, why is there Latin? Um, mm. but apparently, is that part of the song title? That's part of the song title. Well, yeah. Since you were good at Latin and I got thrown out, smart ass. What does it mean? I've no idea. Oh, <laughs> you let yourself down badly. Well, Very Terminus, bad. I'd have thought, means the end. Well, um, Exordium. Exordium, no, without. Uh, no, well, that, no, that must be that must be the Latin for if we're still alive, because terminum will be, it is. will be, isn't it? I mean, it'll be, well, it'll be vaguely along those lines. Who knows? The they they talk about um, well, it says exordium, uh, the beginning or introductory part, especially of a discourse or treatise or treatise, treatise, alternatively, treatise. Well, how do they pronounce it? It's not a word I would be familiar with. But that's what that says. Well, they, they they sing about the year 3535, don't they? And six, 
yeah. 65, 65 as well. Yeah. In the well, I mean, 65, 65, there's no chance we're going to be here. We're going to be eaten by the sun or by some nuclear holocaust. Well, not, I know. Not, not that you and I are going to be worried. I know. I hope I won't be around. I'm sure <laughs> 65, uh, 65. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I might not be around when I'm, when I'm 65 at this rate. Who knows? Um, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> in the, yes, yes. As, as Doc Brown, not that you would know, in Back to the Future would say that this is the worst case scenario, obviously. Um, my next one for you then, since you've gone for Zager and Evans. Um, okay. A bit a bit off the wall, this one. A bit left, left of centre. Haven't got much information about it. I just love it. Um, it was released in... 1969 um, at least that's when it entered the UK chart uh, reached number 8 uh, it was written by uh, Mitch Murray and Peter Callender Mitch Murray was the, the guy who wrote a number of the early hits for Jerry and the Pacemakers, things like How Do You Do It I Like It uh, and also Freddie and the Dreamers, You Were Made For Me Et al. I mean, there's probably a few more that he, he wrote. Um, sorry? Terrific song. Terrific song. I'm, you know, you know you what made, it is? You were you made, no, 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 you were made for me. It's a terrific oh, song. Oh, you were made for me, yeah. That's, that's, that's another memory of way, way, way back. Yeah. They were a bit so daft, weren't they, Freddie and the Dreamers? Oh, totally. I'm sure they, they were one of the acts when I saw the, um, the Fab Four live. Very early 1965, they did like these Christmas shows and yeah. had lots of other acts. Freddie and the Dreamers was one of them. Yeah. Um, Freddie Garrity, can't be him. The singer of the song, uh, the lead singer, I should say, is Mike Darbo. That might give oh. you something. Well, you mean Mike Darbo as in Jesus Christ Superstar? I do. But uh, the band he was with up until 1969, in fact, for, well, for probably about three years, uh, Jones was... Paul Jones, was, Paul Jones was the lead singer up until probably something like Do Wah Diddy Diddy. Oh, Manfred Mann. Manfred Mann, yeah. And then uh, Mark, Mike, Mike Darbo, I should say, took over, had yep. a number of hits, including the number one with the aforementioned Bob Dylan song, The Mighty Quinn. Now, their yep. final single before they split up, they got a bit frustrated with the limitations and the image uh, and the fact that they were being seen purely as a singles band uh, I mean their, their last two albums in fact didn't chart at all um, so it was a final hit single and it was Manfred Mann and the song is Ragamuffin Man right do you know it but you don't no I don't as it's you know if, if we're on the radio now I can say and this is it and you can hear I, it I am a massive Manfred Mann's Earth Band fan I, I know you are I've yeah I've got all of their stuff um, but uh, no, I don't know much. I mean, I, I remember the well-known singles, the big hit singles, yeah, yeah, Mighty Quinn and whatever the others were. Um, but um, Box on the Run, Box on the Run. Well, that was '69 uh, as well. That could have been early '69. Yeah, then it this was, this was yeah, definitely that was the last one. single. Yeah, that was yeah. Um, trying to think of the other songs they had, but yeah, they, again, the Man from Man. I think Hubble Bubble, Toil and Trouble was a hit single in 1964 or five, I think it was. It's one of the seven-inch singles I had when I was little. Which is a, I used to uh, think they sang Hubble Bubble Toilet Trouble. 
it did amuse me when I was about five or six. Was it presumably that was because your parents sang it to you when you were missing on the potty or something like that? Maybe, maybe. It could be something. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, so Ragged Muffin Man, good song, great era, a song from that era that the sound, the, 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 the keyboards, that the effects of it sound to me just like it's almost a, a movie theme or a TV theme from the late 60s, early 70s. If you remember things like The Persuaders. Do you remember yes. The Persuaders? Yeah, with Roger Moore and Tony Curtis and that theme, that sort of sound. I just, I, I can hear the sort of backing, the backing uh, mm -hmm. keyboard sounds, sounds like that. Ragamuffin Man is my song. Ragamuffin, Ragamuffin Manfred Man. Even. Don't know it at all. Dig it out. I shall dig it out. Yes. Right. And tell me your next one. My I'm next great. one, number eight, is uh, Motown. It was uh, a February. Uh, mm -hmm. It was in the charts for four weeks, and it peaked at number four. Is it going to be one of these duets? Uh, no. Okay. That was a guarded no, because I mean, no, no, it's not. It's a, it's a band. It's a band. Or a group. Sorry, it's a group. Well, knowing you, it could well be the Four Tops. <laughs> Sadly not. not <laughs> Although, if I could have fixed, if I could have got the Four Tops in, I obviously would have done because they are my, four top, my Motown version of Yes. <laughs> four Top Temptations. Um, Isley's. Well, no, still okay. I'll, I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more clue. It was covered by a massive, massive American rock band, and people either absolutely love their version of it, me, or they absolutely hate their version of it, Wyatt. And there is no divide. There's no grey area there. It's a this is awful, or, oh, this is brilliant. So you love the, the, the more recent I love, version? No, I, lo I love both. I just It's a brilliant, brilliant it's song. It's a good song. And I love the rock band version of it. Who, who Tell me the rock band. That might give me a clue. Van Halen. Van Halen. Um, okay. Well, obviously, they did You Really Got Me, but that wasn't 1969. That's for... That's for damn sure. Well, no, um, yeah, but don't forget, Van Halen didn't do anything in 1969, did they? Well, Van Halen covered it much, much later. Yeah, but, I mean, you already got me, the single was 1964, oh, yeah. wasn't it? The Kinks, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, keep up, keep up. Um, yes, oh, dear. I it's should nice. really get this, shouldn't I? I'm stressed. <laughs> no, just tell me. Okay. Dancing in the Street, Martha and the Vandellas. Which got Van Halen did Dancing in the Street, yeah, did they? Absolutely. I, I didn't even know that. Absolutely brilliant version of Dancing in the Street. And I it's I've got the I've got the Van Allen Greatest Hits album, and I think and then the version I've got they is live. And it's absolutely brilliant. Love it. But but the Martha and the Vandellas version again, I remember it. And it's one of those real happy songs. Um 
it's just one of those ones where, I mean, I, I literally am the worst dancer in the world. I'm an even worse dancer than I am guitarist, and that's saying something. Um, but that's uh, Vaguely alcoholic dance. Is that? Vaguely alcoholic dancing I can do, um, or supremely alcoholic dancing. Uh, but Dancing in the Street, it's again, it's one of those songs where you just kind of, you have to get up and, you know, kind of move about, don't you? even if you can't dance. It's just one of those songs. It's a great song. It's covered by so many people. It's covered by loads of people, but the Van Halen version is brilliant. 82. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. On the album, Diver Down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, if you'd have said David Bowie and Mick Jagger, I would have got in there with a... No I, worries. The Bowie and Jagger version is all right. It's not as good as the Van Halen version. No. Which is probably... Not as good as Martha Valley, Martha. Uh, Martha Probably Bruce. not, because it's very seldom that the uh, cover is as good as the original. Although we, I think, when we did the covers version, we did discover that there was quite a few that were pretty good. They were. But anyway, so but Martha and the Mandelas, I, I, the, again, you know, like that generation with the four tops and and the temps and the Isleys and all that is, uh, yeah, they're really good. So that was my number eight. Okie dokie. Righty ho, I'm on to my next one, which is hmm, came out well May I think it was May '69. They it was their third album. It was their title, the title track of their third album. The band originated from a town, which is probably now designated a city. A mere 30 to 40 minutes away from where I'm sitting at this very moment in time, South End on Sea. Um, Hang on. South End on Sea? Yeah. That's where they were formed. Really? Yes. You you know who it is? No, I'm just, I I thought that South End on Sea was responsible for um, Dr. Feelgood and the Kurzel Flyers. Maybe, yeah, maybe Eddie in the Hot Rods or something. Maybe I don't know. And that was, that was about that was about all I knew. You no, mean South End going back into the 60s, yeah. Really? Um, yes. Okay. Uh, the, the, the writers of the song were Gary Brooker, Keith Reed, Brucehorn, Gary Brooker, the late great Gary Brooker, yeah, who passed away sadly, uh, I think Sweet. last week, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and Keith Reed who wrote all the lyrics, um, and he did with this one as well. Uh, now, this one describes um, sailors crossing across unknown seas, basically. Uh, is this, uh, right, hang on, is this Salty Dog? Salty Dog. I didn't even know that was a single. That was a single, yeah. It, it right. wasn't a huge hit, but it got to number 44 in the UK. Right. Um, I mean, it's nowhere up to the standards of, in my opinion, of course, a, a wider shade of pale, or or, or its follow-up Homburg. Yeah, uh, both. I mean, they did stand. They, I mean, wider shade of pale stands the test of time as one of the all-time great songs, doesn't it? it I, does, don't, so I don't know anybody of any generation who doesn't like wider shade of pale. It's just, just such a brilliant. It's, it's, it's just. Brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah, just it brilliant. Yeah, um, it was the first Procol Harum album to include, including this track, actually, an orchestra. Um, string arrangement 
was inspired apparently by Frédéric Chopin. Which is weird because he played the piano. Whoa. Inspired, it was inspired by Chopin. The string section was inspired by Chopin. Maybe he's a great violinist as well. You never know. So this is presumably, I've just had a lovely meal. It was inspired by the local brewer. <laughs> That's the one. Brilliant. And another, well, multi-talented was old shop, old chopping. Um, another multi-talented chap was John Peel as a DJ. He was a, a BBC Radio One or whatever they were called back in those days. Uh, disc jockey. He was a bit irreverent. Uh, he didn't really go with the norm. He didn't like their playlists and, and stuff that they had to stick to. Um, he liked to play whatever the hell he wanted. We like CBW radio these days. That's the closest I can think of it. But John Peel said a saucy dog should have been a bigger hit. But as it was longer than two and a half minutes and not exactly a bright tempo, a lot of my colleagues wouldn't play it because they feel that over two and a half minutes without some feeble quip from them is going to make the world a sadder place. <laughs> John Peel. The late, great John Peel. The late, great John Peel. What a legend that man was. <laughs> he was. But it's just a good song. You obviously know it. You just didn't, didn't know it was from 69. No, I didn't, I didn't. Well, I didn't even know it was a single. I didn't no, know it was a massive the album. But, um, yeah. Um, it, it, and it's very sort of um, expansive. Is that the word? Expansive yeah. melody. Yeah. Um, and well, a pretty epic, epic record, really, yeah. but from the yeah. whole band. Um, melody maker, uh, guy Chris Welch said, and I quote, the tune is beautiful, the arrangement brilliant, the performance perfect. Chris Welch knew what he was talking about. He was he did. one of the best writers on Melody Maker. And the best thing about him was he wasn't on NME or Rolling Stone. No. <laughs> I haven't mentioned Rolling Stone yet, but I'm sure I've got them to come. No, the other, no. other notable thing about this particular program horror record is that uh, there were no contributions whatsoever on the song by guitarist Robin Trower, yeah. who, had <laughs> fought, who had joined the band after What a Shade of Power. So he wasn't on that one, but he was on subsequent stuff. Anyway, a salty dog, Procol Horum, from South End on Sea. Okay. Gary Brooker, though. Poor old Gary Brooker. Poor old Gary. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a talent. What a talent. R.I.P. Gary. Yes. Okay. On to okay. the next one. So number seven. Um, I, I found this incredible. This is a March release. It was only in the charts for one week, and it only got to number 10. Oh, really? And one week at number 10? One week at number 10. And I'm... I just don't understand why, because it is literally a song that everybody of our generation knows. So why? I, I don't, and I don't know how we all, how we know it. If it wasn't around, I mean, presumably when it says one week, that was top twenty. I mean, presumably it was some. I, I'm a guessing. I don't know. I just mm. use most of this off Wikipedia um, or you know the list of charts for the for the year. This um, is in the UK, I see. You what? It was in the UK you're talking about here. This yes, one week. This is all UK. Yeah. Um. So, and it's one of my go-to karaoke songs. Oh dear. It's one of the three. <laughs> um. And um. Can't be high ho silver lining because that was uh, sixty-seven, wasn't it? 
<laughs> I can imagine you belting that. That definitely would not be one of my go-to karaoke songs, not least of which because it's a bit naff. Um, anyway, no, so this is by the Righteous Brothers. In 1969. Yeah. You've lost that loving feeling. No, that can't be right. It was off the list of charts for 1969. Yes, but I think you'll find that was, <laughs> he rolls his eyes, that was a number one single. Well, I thought it was. In 1965. Right, so it was a re-release. It must have been re-released, yeah. Right, Ooh, well, in that, case I'm having, that in. in that case, I'm having it. Because it, it was re-released. It was re- it's an absolutely brilliant. It came in at number 10 and thought, brilliant. Here before, I'm getting out again. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's perfect. The it should vocal, show up in this, uh, this Bible that I've got here. The vocal, harmonies, the vocal harmonies in that song are as good as any anywhere. It's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful song. And I remember... Yeah, 12th of February, entered the chart, re-entered the chart, 12th of February, 1969. Number 10, you're correct. Now, mine says weeks on chart 11. Oh, maybe I wrote one and I meant 11. That might make a difference. Maybe, yeah, might make a maybe difference. I missed a one. I mean, one week oh, at 10 sounds a bit bizarre. Well, well, one week at number 10, but it was 11 weeks on the chart. So, yeah, that sounds more like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm having it because it's, it was in the charts in 1969 and it is a brilliant, brilliant song. I didn't know that it had been number one in 1965 because I was only a baby. But um, it was, um, yeah. yeah I, you, knew, you, you knew there were dinosaurs, didn't you? But you weren't around then. <laughs> <laughs> we, had this, we had this conversation today on Twitter. As someone said they were talking about the... Um, you know, the fact that uh, when uh, when Ukraine gave up its uh, nuclear missiles, it was on the strict understanding that it would be protected by the US, the UK and Russia. Um, mm. <laughs> bit, yeah, a bit of irony there. Um, and someone had tweeted that this was, uh, um, you know, this is the elephant. It was after the um, um, State of the Union. Someone had tweeted that it was the... Um, that it was the elephant in the room. <laughs> I, oh, I just tweeted okay. back and said, no, it isn't. It's a bloody great pregnant Tyrannosaurus. That's what it is. <laughs> it's never an elephant. Anyway, yeah, there we go. So um, well, what, what more to say? I mean, yeah. The well, right yeah I agree. That's a, great, that's a great it's song. A, it's, it's a bit of a cheat song. having it in for 1969, but, you know. Well, it was in 1969. It was in the list. Yeah, okay. Maybe we should have said first released date in 1969. <laughs> well, but we did Listen, then I'd have had to do more research. It's been a stressful week. Yeah, I we'll take it. Um, it is a wonderful record, I must admit. Um, and oh, super, supremely covered by Tom Cruise in Top Gun, which probably oh, yes. isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Goose, I think, next. You want Goose yes. seen it as well? Yeah, well Just I, I haven't. Maverick. Don't that Maverick it. film, the new Top Gun film, has been coming out for about six years, I think. Been advertised you, for about I mean, six first, years. Finally, the first one was awful. Never mind. No, that, yeah, you didn't yeah. like Top Gun, didn't know, you? Apart from the theme, the theme I was seem great. to remember yeah, what we were talking about. Yeah. Anyway, let's not go there. Load of jingoistic horseshit. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you really think of it? <laughs> maybe we should do. Maybe we should do a film podcast as well. <laughs> we could really go off on one. <laughs> we could. Why not? Okay, my next one is. Um, just sneaked in December 1969. It was released in the UK 
5th of December 1969. Uh, December. Written, written by a certain James Paul McCartney. <laughs> really? Who <laughs> recorded his own demo of the song uh, in July. Uh, he double-tracked the vocal and uh, played all the instruments on it. He got it done in under an hour. Uh, probably one of the better Beatles songs unre- ever, ever, you know, not released. Although subsequently, of course, it was on anthology collections and stuff. Um, but Macca produced a studio version for another Apple band called The Ivies, as they were then known. Um, they're now called, or were then called, Badfinger. In fact, by the time the single came out, they were called Badfinger. Um, McCartney wanted it to be recorded. They could record it for the film, uh, the uh, Magic Christian film, featuring, uh, talking of movies, Peter Sellers and Ringo Starr. Um, he'd record it, he'll produce it, but it had to be exactly like the demo that he gave them. So the carrot for them to do it exactly the way he did, and that, and they did, and they had a number four UK hit out of it, their biggest hit, actually, in the UK. And it's called? It's called Come and Get It. Oh, yeah, okay. If you want it, here it is. If you want it, here it Come is. Come and get it. If you want it, here it is. Come and get it. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, he... he, he Offered to produce it for them, which he did, and he also played tambourine on it. Uh, well, it could have been a green tambourine. Pardon? Was it, it could, tambourine? could have been a green tambourine. I wasn't just, there. Just checking for detail. And nor were the lemon pipers. No. Um, <laughs> Why did the lemon pipers have a green tambourine? You'd have thought they'd have been a yellow one, wouldn't you? Don't you think? Oh, well, yeah, why not? They wanted to, you know, Mix spice things up a bit, I guess. Going down the whole gamut of all of the um, uh, citrus fruits. Yes. Um, well, he wanted to produce that for them, and he also said he'd produce another couple of uh, their own original songs, Ivy's original songs, or Badfinger, as they became. Um, he actually auditioned all four of the Ivies to see who would sing the lead, and he gave it to Tom Evans. Not released in the States until the 12th of January 1970, but because, and he got to number seven there, but because it was released in the UK, on the 5th of December 1969, I've got it in there. Uh, Come and get it by Badfinger. Sad, sad story to the uh, Badfinger. Uh, well, the Badfinger story is, is pretty sad. Was that your phone or mine? That wasn't mine. No, it wasn't mine. Um, anyway, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> Mine's on silent. It can't possibly have been mine. No, neither mine. So the, um, yeah. Come and Get It was their biggest UK hit, and yet they didn't write it. Uh, And then their real big hit, written by them at least, was Without You, which Harry Nielsen took to number one in both sides of the pond. And Mariah Carey had a number one hit as well. But, you know, they didn't record that either. Well, they did, but their, their version wasn't released as a single. But the others had massive success with it. And, of course, Tom Evans and um, Pete Ham, I think it was, both within, I don't know, a handful of years, I think, both committed suicide. 
So not a, not a pleasant tale. No, not, not come and get it, Badfinger. Is up there for me next one? What have you got? Okay, my next one is a March release. Um, four weeks on the charts. Well, I mean, I mean, four weeks. I mean, that's roughly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and, could, be, uh, could be forty-four. <laughs> forty-four weeks. Yeah, um, and it got uh, it, highest placing was number seven, and it is a song about a place in the good old USA. Um, is he a country singer? Possibly. He's a singer. He's a chap. Is it Glenn Campbell? Yes. Wichita Lineman. Wichita Lineman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great Which song. Is, it's an absolute. That was one. That was one of my uh, reserve reserves. I think. Okay. Well, it's a wonderful song, and again, not the sort of thing I would usually listen to, but it is sufficiently enough of a favourite of mine for it to be on one of my Spotify playlists. So it uh, must have uh, must have made it through a quite stringent uh, vetting process in order, to, in order to have got there. I can imagine um, your stringent... <laughs> is it Kate Bush or Elvis? No, <laughs> yeah, Kate Bush, Queen, Elvis, Bind. Oh, madness. Obviously, there's no madness. <laughs> um, but uh, that's for Graham's benefit. Um, yeah, so again, I, I just think I've never been to Wichita, but I feel as though I ought to just because I need to see what it's like because there's a song about the lineman. Um, but it's just one of those songs which it's got a, it's just a really nice chorus. It's a beautifully constructed song. It's kind of a bit of a story song. Um, he's got a, he's got a great voice. Um, yeah, and it's just one of those ones which is a real favourite that's stuck in my mind for, you know, long, long time. And, and if every time I hear it, I go, it's a great song. So it had to be there. It's Wichita, a posh way of saying Wichita. I've always said Wichita. Is that but, wrong? You probably, but you probably say New Orleans as well, don't you? Well, I say New Orleans. It's New Orleans, isn't it? New Orleans, well, yeah, but there was a new in front of it. New, New, New yeah, Orleans. It's New Orleans. It's New Orleans. Isn't New Orleans. It? There's a slight inflection. New Orleans. Yeah, all right. So is it Wichita? Wichita? I think you'll find it's Wichita. Is it really? So I always thought it was Wichita. I mean, Wichita. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know, I mean, you know, I have been, very occasionally. He doesn't have. sing Wichita lineman or Wichita lineman in the song, does he? Or does he? It's just one of those ways. I thought it might have been a posh way of saying it. Well, I am posh, obviously. I come from the posh bit of Essex. Ah, yeah. We're in the posh bit of Essex. (laughs) We're not in Essex at the moment, though. You're in... um, I'm in Buckingham. I mean, we're serious. (laughs) We we invented the Paralympics where I live. You only know half half of you is in Bedfordshire, though, isn't it? <laughs> Gets my left leg. Yes. It's not that- anyway, moving on. The moving Wichita, on Wichita, Wichita, right. Wichita, 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 whatever right. it is, it's a good song. And that's my number. Oh, it's that's like one of you watch Pointless and see Alexander Armstrong, and he always calls it Alabama. Yeah, well, that's wrong, isn't it? Because it's Alabama, obviously. Yeah, as I know it's Alabama. Home, as it's sweet home. That's what I thought it might have been. Yeah, it's not sweet home, Alabama. But it's not it's not Arkansas, is it? It's true. It's not Arkansas. Very true. So you know, and it's not Boise either. We need American uh, viewers or listeners to say, is it Wichita or is it Wichita? I think it's Wichita. 
Wichita, there you go. Shaggy says it's Wichita. Shaggy knows. Clearly. All right. Off Not so posh then, eh, right. Stinky? Now, now, so pronounce, now pronounce Leicester. Right, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Leicester. Leicester. <laughs> what you got next, Cole? Birmingham. Um, right, we've got July 69. And um, it might not be the Beatles, but it's... It's the other lot. It's the other lot. Right, okay. I've got, the, I've got this as well. Have you? I've got this as my it's number. It's probably not their only single that year. Uh, maybe it's a different one. I doubt it. I don't know. This was, it's, yours was in July, was it? Yes. Okay. It got, so to number, it one, got to number one. It was on the charts for 11 weeks. Yep, definitely. Number one, the US and UK. Released yep. the day after Brian Jones died. Yep. Uh, a country version. It was a standalone single. Uh, certainly in the UK. I don't know whether it was in the US, but a standalone single. Country version was later included on the Let It Bleed album called Country Honk. Uh, it is the song was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. And here we go. Rolling Stone. We haven't, this is the first time we've mentioned it. Number 116 on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. I'm really pleased. It's recorded it. in five hours. Written in Sao Paulo which is the destination my number one son has just literally, well, he's flying as we speak to Sao Paulo in Brazil. It's Sao Paulo is fantastic. I, so I worked there for a week. It's brilliant. I had a great time. Loved it. It's the home of Embraer. As in the, uh, as in the plane manufacturer. Yeah, and not actually in Sao Paulo, but in a little town just outside it, which is where I was actually working. But no, Sao Paulo is brilliant. Is it Sao Paulo or is it Sao Paulo? No, we're not going down that route. Um, so Honky Tonk Women is the oh, song, no. <laughs> as you probably knew. It was indeed. Honky Tonk Women. Um, Honky Tonk Woman being, what, a dancing girl in a Western bar who may or may not work as a prostitute. Couldn't possibly, I mean, who knows? Couldn't possibly say. Is it Honky Tonk Women or is it Honky Tonk Woman? I never really know. Really? Women. The song, yeah, the tongue title's women, but do they mean women or do they do they mean woman? Because he's talking about it's a he's, whether he's talking about a gin soaked barroom queen in Memphis, yeah, or he's talking about the New York City divorcee that he has laid, as he eloquently puts it in the second verse. Um, it's a honky tonk woman, but is it? I don't know. Well, maybe because a lot of people confuse women and women anyway. Quite true, but maybe it's because he talks about two different women. The song is called "Honky Tonk Women," but the the singing about the the honky tonk woman. What about that? Uh, okay, smart just, ass. Just a theory. Yeah, I think you might be right. Well, you might well be right. So maybe I got it was the right. debut. Another factoid for you is the debut of Mick Taylor on okay. guitar. Okay. Uh, he overdubbed his guitar bit. In fact, he is credited with, I think Keith Richards may have said, he's credited with uh, turning it from the sort of um, Hank Williams, Jimmy Rogers, 1930s sort of country style song into the guitar riff based epic song that it is. Um, you can't always get what you want it's on the B side. You got that? Yep. It's not a bad single, is it? Those two, no, very good. Probably, and I think it's 
probably my favourite Stone song. Always has been. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not mine, but it would be in the top five probably. Oh, don't, don't strain yourself. It's okay. No, you no, no, no because but, but I I love Paint It Black and I love Gimme Shelter. Um, yeah. So they and um, Tumbling Dice. I think all three of those would be. That's a, that's a classic, isn't it? Tumbling they, Dice. They'd all be above Honky Tonk Women, but I mean, it's up there. And I love and I wrote, love their version of Sympathy for the Devil, obviously because they wrote it as well. So they'd yes. be in the top five. So it, it would be in the top five, but it wouldn't be wouldn't be number one. That'd be Jimmy. It wouldn't be the same without the little cowbell at the start. Well, no. throughout actually, but right at the start, Jimmy Miller. It cannot be a bit of cowbell. You can't be a cowbell. Cowbell is an important part of any rock song. Can't argue with that. Got to be done. More right, count. what do you got next? Uh, okay, so... That so, was one of yours. That was one yeah, of yours. Yeah, so, you, so my three and four, you've you, you've already done. Um, so okay. my, my number five is um, by, um, the I would say, the preeminent vocal slash songwriting duo of their day. Um, it is the one of the very first songs I learned to play on the guitar. Um, it has a fantastic vocal harmony in it. Um, it's a soaringly wonderful piece of music, beautiful lyrics. It's pretty well perfect, and it is from June, and it was on the chart for six weeks, and it got to number six. Okay. What? This is me having to guess it. Well, I've given you enough clues, I would have thought. Okay. I would say, you said it was a duo. Hmm. Okay, well... Well, that's two, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is two. With my, it is with two. my rudimentary grasp of maths. That is two. Um, I presume it's Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. yes. And that's on my list as well. The Boxer. The Boxer. Brilliant. Fantastic song. So you yes, had that too. Brilliant song. Yeah, it threw me because I've got... Maybe it's because it was released. Maybe you were talking about the charts. Maybe in June it was number number six or whatever. Uh, I've got it released in March 69. Maybe that was in America. Or well, maybe, uh, I, I know that it was it was in the charts in June because the, the, the source that I was looking at to, to decide um, had had the the date, I don't know if it was the date that entered the charts or the dates that, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's, it's a great song, I agree. It, it's one of those songs where, We've talked about this before. I love a story song, and yes. it is a story song, but it's not an overly long story song, and it's not overly complex. It just tells a pretty basic, simple story, but it does it very well. And just, I mean, you know, he's a brilliant songwriter, isn't he, Paul Simon? I mean, Definitely. You know, he's just fantastic. And Art Garfunkel's just got a beautiful voice, and the two of them, the two of them together on that, you know that it, it it will be in my top three or four Simon and Garfunkel songs. Um, Agreed. And it, yeah, relatively easy to play. I got when I got my acoustic guitar. I got bought the Simon and Garfunkel songbook, so I basically just taught myself as many Simon and Garfunkels and as many Beatles songs as I could because I mm. figured that that would be a reasonable starting point as long as I stuck with the easy ones. So. When did you start playing then? In the seventies, was it? Was it? Mm. Yeah, I think I got my I think I got my Spanish e acoustic-y thing in about seventy three, maybe. Okay, seventy two. It might have been slightly early for the Eagles. I think probably everyone learns Eagles songs as well. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. So I learned Eagles songs later, but that was when I got my ovation, which was in seventy eight. So. Okay, a standing ovation. Yeah. 
sadly not. Not the way I play guitar. They're more <laughs> likely to throw the bloody thing at my head and throw me from the stage as I went. Well, as it was one of mine, I, I've got a little bit of blurb about it, if you want to hear. I mean, it, it was the follow-up to their big number one single, Mrs. Robinson. Yeah which we mentioned in the movie themes on, it's one of mine. Uh, it was a standalone single, actually, but it did end up nine months later on their final studio album, it was Bridge Bridge Over Water. Water. Um, described as a folk rock ballad, uh, lyrics dealing with poverty and loneliness, probably semi-autobiographical as well. It did get to number six in the UK, I agree. Number seven in the US, UK win that one. Rolling Stone, no less, has it at number 106. So was that 10 higher than Honky Tonk Women? Um, it took 100 hours, 100 hours to record. Um, well, that's not, I'm not surprised by that because there's a lot of overlayering of the, of the vocals. vocals. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, quite, it's a complex production. Interestingly, the um, drummer, the session drummer, Hal Blaine, I think we mentioned him the other week as well. Is that... Um, Complimenting is, Karen Carpenter, I think. He's the brother of Chill, isn't he? <laughs> Chill Blaine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Chill and Hal. <laughs> That's another duo for you, Simon <laughs> and Garfunkel. Chill what and Hal Blaine. Well, Hal and Chill Blaine. Um... <laughs> um it's got a, a very heavily reverberated drum sound that he created for it. Now they, they found that an odd place this is, but outside the, or right in front of an elevator or lift, as we might know it, uh, in the Columbia offices, they found a place that he put his drum. So not actually directly in the studio. So he would listen to the headphones with the musicians playing and then, at the end of the Lila Lies bits, boom, he'd, he'd, he'd bash his drum, if you pardon the expression. Um, which that's, did so, take, that's, to with, that's to do with the reverberation, isn't it? Because that's the same as John Bonham playing at the bottom of the stairwell. Yeah, uh, I think you're probably in, right. Yeah. Uh, when the levee breaks. It's, uh, it, it's, it's similar, similar, similar sort of thing, yeah. yeah. But the loud banging outside the elevator did, dig, did allegedly take an elderly security guard by surprise when he, when he stepped out of the lift or elevator to hear a thunderous drum as he left it. Um, probably, probably gave him a heart attack. Um, the Lila lies were actually um, in there because Paul Simon didn't actually have any words at that point, but uh, they were left in. Well, uh, and there's, and there's an extra verse. You like the, you know, they truncated it. They made it shorter. You like a shorter story. But they, Paul Simon did sing uh, himself uh, when he was live and also at the reunion concert for Simon and Garfunkel in 1982 at Central that Park. Was the Central Park, yeah. Yeah, great, great version. If you, got, if you heard the album, that's a great live album. But, but I've, no, I've got a Greatest Hits album, which has got five or six live tracks on it, and I'm pretty sure they're from the Central Park thing. Oh, really? Boxer is one of them. I must okay, well, I'll the, have to give that a listen. The extra verse says, and you can hear it scanning, now the years are rolling by me, they are rocking evenly. I am older than I once was and younger than I'll be. That's not unusual. Well, no, After changes upon changes, we are more or less the same. After changes, we are more or less the same. Lie, 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 et cetera. The boxer, that's from both of us then. Okay. 
we're whizzing through these, which is good. Um, so, so that, that, was my, that was my number five, and you've also got four and three, so I've just got two and one to go. But I've got okay. a couple of others I'll throw in for good measure at the end. Yeah, right. So I've got another one here, April 69. Um, another one of my favourite bands. Um, a really big year for them, actually, this was, because they had three hit albums released in this album, which is pretty major achievement. This was the lead single from one of those albums. The album was called Green River. And it's Credence Clearwater Revival. Okay. So the single, the single is Bad Moon Rising. Oh, okay. Which was uh, April 69, had Lodi on the B-side. That was, a, a song, again, one of my favourite, probably my favourite Credence song, as, as one of the ones I mentioned in the country show we did with Ags Connolly uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, it got to number two in the US and it was a number one in the UK, their only number one single in the United Kingdom. Uh, the second gold single. Rolling Stone had them down at number 364 at the all-time songs list. Um, sadly for them, it was one of five singles, Credence singles, to peak at number two in the US. This one was actually blocked by Henry Mancini's love theme from Romeo and Juliet. Uh, uh, obviously a worthy winner. <laughs> John Fogarty uh, sang, um, he said it was a song about the apocalypse. It was going to be visited upon us. Um, critics called it a blazing bayou, bayou rock outing, louder and bolder than the previous single, Proud Mary, which is also right, a well, Proud Mary was song. on. Proud Mary was on my reserve list. Okay, that's another great song. That was on the Bayou uh, Country album, I think, yeah, wasn't it? Great album. Uh, right. Which came out earlier on in the year, and then they had another one later on in the year as well. well I and think, uh, Proud Mary was um, was July. Was it? No, oh, it came out afterwards. Then. Yeah, no, Proud Mary was July. Four weeks got to number eight. Yeah, that's strange. Oh well. Um, whatever. They're both two great songs. Yeah. Um, and what probably Bad Moon Rising, where I first heard it, uh, I know it's, it's one of my favorite bands looking back, but I mean, I wasn't really aware of their existence as I was growing up in the 60s, certainly. Um, I saw the song was played in the transformation scene on the uh, American Werewolf in London film. Oh, okay. Bad Moon Rising, which I've never seen. So there's a bad moon on the rise. Not as many people got it confused with and think he was saying uh, there's a bathroom on the right. There's something to be said to call it a bathroom. Then the, the words the bad mood rising don't get confused. The restroom, anyway, if it was in the States. Uh, the restroom, yeah. John. A John. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Bad mood rising. So you've got two right. more. I've got well, I've got two more, and then I'll just throw any, in, any I'll, extras. We can I'll throw, throw in the extras to cover the two that you had, okay. um, because I, I I actually had twelve, and I cut a couple out just before we came on air. Um, so number two, um, July, four weeks on the chart, got as high as number three. I think I'm right in saying that it was this band's highest chart placing. And possibly their first one, although I am not enough of a student of the charts to know that. And this is my 
Day's nod to prog rock. Oh, of course. Well, is that prog or Harlem? So it can't be them. It's not. Uh, it's not Yes. No, um, because 1969, they were just starting off with Yes. and they didn't This was have- released in the UK, because I noticed that there probably were a couple of Led Zeppelin singles in 69, weren't they, in the States at least? No, Led Zeppelin didn't do any singles in the UK. No, but in the right. UK, in the US yeah. they did. No, it's not. Um, uh, yeah, not. it was decided here they weren't going to release any singles. And they're not, they're not really prog, are they? No, they're not really prog. No, I just sort of throw that one in. Um, King Crimson or something? Um, no. no. Not a single. They wouldn't have had a hit single. No, tell me. Jethro Tull. Ah, of course. Living in Living the in past. past. Yeah, which is a, yeah, a again, it's a it's a lovely, lovely song. Mm. Um, Wyatt and I talk about this. Song. He absolutely hates Jethro Tull, um, and <laughs> we have a big uh, we have a big debate about this on a regular basis. Um, you have to get uh, him on, you know. Yeah, you have to get him on. Um, uh, just to talk about how much he hates Jethro Tull. Yeah, well, um, I do. <laughs> we just have a rant about Jethro Tull. He rants about most other things. Anyway, um, so living in the past, I, I think it was their first single. Um, it's um, it, it's a it's just one of those really really catchy tunes, and, and what I like about it is it pointed in the direction that they were going to go as a band because they they very much are down you know, the flute route. Yeah, well, yeah. Ian Anderson's a really really clever guy, very erudite, very intelligent, very interesting to listen to when he's interviewed, um, and you know he, I think. I, I can't remember what the quote is. It's something about he chose to play the flute because no one else was playing one. You know, it was it, it was kind of like just being a bit different. He plays the guitar, but um, mm. he but he he played the flute and he never played it before. He just you know taught himself. Um, I, I don't know whether he had lessons, but he, he wasn't a flautist necessarily. No. Um, but um, it's just it's an iconic it's an iconic song of its era, and it really was one of the one of the very first prog songs along with things like quite a shade of pale that really pointed the direction of which that that sort of music was going in because 69 was you know the beginnings of yes it was the beginnings of elp um and those those sorts of bands um but uh but jethro Tull were quite trailblazers in that way and and again it's one of those ones where when that when it just starts you know exactly what it is um you know exactly where it's going um and it's just a really good song so um uh, and it gives me an excuse to talk about prog. So obviously that's an advantage. You don't need much of an excuse. I don't need much there. of an excuse. I, I, need a, I need more of an excuse than you do to talk about the Beatles. But anyway. No. Well, um, we're going on to the Beatles. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've, so, uh, I've, got, so I've got living, two left. Living in the Past. Is living in the Past, yeah. Was it released in the States? I'm reading here. Uh, only, rele- only released promotionally. Right. Um, a bit like the um, Pimple Wizard Elton John, um, which wasn't released over there. Right, I've got two left, and since we've just mentioned them, why not? Uh, we're going to go for... The Fab Four? The Fab Four, yeah. It's going to be the Fab Four. I never saw that one coming, to be honest. It, well, it, I know it's random, isn't it? Off the record, oh. Big C hosting, and <laughs> he mentions the Beatles. Um, oh, what can I say? It was released <laughs> in October '69. Um, in the UK and in the US, it did well. It got to number one in the US. In this, in the UK, it stalled. Only got to number four. Surprisingly, ended ended another one of their their second longest consecutive run of number one singles of six. 
Um, and that run, before that, there was an, a run of 11 consecutive number one singles. And the, between the 11 and the six, that bloody Engelbert Humperdinck sort of spoilt the thing. Engelbert. Went to number one with release me and stopped probably what many people think is one of the greatest singles ever, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever, getting into number one. But that's, I'm, you know, I'm not bitter. Um, Strawberry Fields Forever is a fantastic song. Yeah, but it didn't get to number one. Um, Penny Lane probably did in America. But this one was actually also probably didn't help the fact it didn't get to number one. It's the first time in the UK, at least, that a Beatles single was released containing tracks that were already available on an album. Now, that, that wouldn't happen these days. That happens all the time. You know, songs are released, albums are released, and then the first sort of 10 tracks are released as singles, aren't they? Uh, obviously, on the Abbey Road album, if this is helping in any way. It was a double A side, actually. Well, uh, with Abbey Together. Road is one of the uh, Beatles albums that I now own, largely well, as a result of being on this show with you. It's a mighty fine album. It is. I'll have to go and buy a Yes album at this rate, won't I? Yeah, you just buy the Yes, the, the yes album. George yeah. Harrison found his composing, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, chops. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, he found his composing chops. Not only Here Comes the Sun on the album, but this song, which was something. Which is... The Way She Moves. Something in the way she moves. Yeah. You you mentioned that line, something in the way she moves. That was actually taken from a James Taylor song called something in the way she moves. Uh, He was another Apple act at the time. Um, Yeah. It was George's love song to Patty Boyd. Uh, I mean, she had a lot of love songs written about her, didn't she? Not only by, not only by her husband. husband (laughs) Um, John Lennon called it the best song on Abbey Road, which is too bad considering Come Together was on the other side of the single and also on Abbey Road. Uh, the guitar solo is probably one of his finest, finest bits of work, I think. Yeah. Um, he got an Ivan Novello Award for the best song musically and lyrically. Um, 150, more than 150 artists, probably more than 160 in the time that I've taken to say that, uh, have covered the song. Uh, so makes it the second most covered Beatles song after You Know What, Yesterday. Um, the likes of Shirley Bassey, Elvis Presley, one of your favourites. Oh, yeah. Ray Charles, Booker T and the MGs, James Brown, Smokey Robinson, and, of course, famously, Frank Sinatra used to sing it live. And, again, famously, legend has it that he would always introduce it as one of the best Lennon-McCartney songs ever. Probably didn't go down too well with George. No. Um, Rolling Stone, 110 on their list of the 500 greatest songs. He began writing it. Was that too higher than The Boxer? I think it was. Yeah. They were roughly the same, weren't they? Around that sort of 110, 160. The whole honky-tonk women and all that. whole stack of them. Uh, George wrote it, started writing it in September 68 during the White Album sessions. Um, although if you, if you ever watch the Get Back uh, documentary that's on, Which I still you'll haven't. see him working on it, um, on that as well. And he, he's got the line, something in the way she moves, and then he gets like, attracts me like a, and he can't think of what to say. And what do you think, John? And, and John came says, well, put anything in. It doesn't really matter what you put in. Just put any old word. 
a better one will come to you at some point. Just put put in cauliflower. So he didn't put in cauliflower. He put in pomegranate, actually. But I'm not sure that either of them would have worked. Um, he recorded a demo, actually, on his 26th birthday at Abbey Road, along with two other of his songs, Old Brown Shoe, which ended up on the B-side of Ballad of John and Yoko, and uh, All Things Must Pass, which, ironically, right. the Beatles did pass on. Uh, and it was held back for his uh, All Things Must Pass album the following year. Um, on the, it's, I love the version you hear on Anthology with just him on his electric guitar. Probably fairly badly tuned, as I recall, the, the guitar, actually. But it's a, it's a great live version of him just recording the demo. Had an extra verse in it, uh, sung to a counter melody over which, well, well, instead of which will be the guitar solo uh, actually on the master recording. Um, but yeah, something George Harrison, well, it's not George Harrison, it's the Beatles. Yeah. And that is my penultimate from my 10. Well, well, and uh, I've, I've, I mean, there's no arguing that, uh, joking aside, he wasn't as great a songwriter as Leonard McCartney. And he, he did feel a bit left out. And it was only really when he got to the Abbey Road. I mean, McCartney was said that it's his finest, finest song, finest song ever. But uh, yeah, something the Beatles didn't want to disappoint. Got the Beatles in there. You got one well, more. Well, I've got one plus my two throw-ins for Pinball Wizard and Honky Tonk Women. Um, so my number one, and I was very, very pleased to discover that this was 1969 because it is one of my favourite songs of all time. Um, it's a March release. It got to numero uno, and it was on the chart for seven weeks. And it is a singer-songwriter. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think it's a one-hit wonder. There might have been others, but this is by far, far and away the song that he is best known for. Okay, I'm going to have a stab in the dark. Is it Peter Sarsted? Yes. Where do you oh. go to, my lovely? What a song. Where do you go I to, my lovely? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. love it. I love the lyrics. I love the, the feel of it, that kind of swing sound to it, kind of vaguely Parisian, um, but he's talking about the back streets of Naples, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, but it's... Um, Jouan it, Lapin. Yeah. It's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Um I think he's got a great voice. Um, it's just, he's love, wonderfully constructed. And again, it's one of those songs where as soon as it starts, you know exactly what it is. Um, and it is a good song, but I think, sorry, it's a good tune. Um, but I think what makes it is the lyrics. I, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful song. Now, interestingly, or interestingly to me, I'm pretty sure that at some point in the mid-1970s, I saw Peter Sarstedt playing in the Victoria in Faden Boys. Really? I, well, yes. Faden Boys, which is okay. um, a local village to, uh, well, closer, probably closer to me, actually. Yes, it was, it was slightly near, well, it was, in yeah, Essex. it's between Epic. Yeah, it's between Epping and Buckersill. I mean, it's and Epping and Buckersill, yeah. It's the next um, stop on the tube. It is the next stop on the tube. Um, there were two pubs in the village. There was the Vic, and I can't remember what the other one was called. And the Vic used to do live music nights. And I'm we went, a whole gang of us went, and I'm 99% certain 
that it was Peter Sarstedt who was playing that night. Um, I, I may be wrong. It might have been someone else of a very similar folky type. Um, but I, I remember it um, because Thaden Boys is one of those places where they don't have any street lighting. Street lights. No, no. They feel, they feel that it ruins the village. But what you know, does, what you're going to tread in when you're walking back home from the pub? Well, in, well it's not only that. It's they've also got that poxy village green in the middle with slightly raised um, pavement, uh, slightly raised curb at the edge of it. So of course yeah. we all stumbled out after the concert to cross the road to walk up the main road to go and get well get home wherever we were doing, and all fell straight over the curb flat on our faces into the middle of the um, into the middle of the uh, the green because we may have had a drink or two. Anyway, that is just passed that on. But yeah, so I'm I'm ninety percent certain it was him. But it's it's a great song, and um, yeah, when I saw that it was released that year, I thought, yeah, it's got to be my number one. So that's that's my. It's not my last one, but it's my top one. It's a great record. It's a family of uh, musicians or singers, weren't they? Peter Sarsted. Yes. Well, so because one of the things Sarsted. Well, it might have been Robin that we went to see in Thaden Boys. Because I because he wasn't as successful, was he? No. So it may well be that you go on the pub circuit in Thaden Boys if you're less successful. Robin but, but, I, so, but it was. I'm sure it was a Sarsted of some description. Anyway, there we go. Did he sing "Where Do You Go to My Lovely"? That might be the giveaway. I knew you were going to ask that question, and the answer is beer was involved, and I have no idea. Okay. That's literally no You're, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> right, on to my final one, and a sad one to finish on, um, in that I know that, um, again, a couple of weeks back, we had Ags Connolly on. I had Ags Connolly on the show. Uh, we were doing a country show, and, uh, he, and one of the songs that I chose as one of my favourite country songs, although it's probably, as, as Elvis has even quoted, I'm sure you love to hear that, as uh, the saddest song he'd ever heard which is I'm so lonesome I could cry. And he was quoting uh, the lyric, uh, the silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky. And as I wonder where you are, I'm so lonesome I could cry. Um, it's a great, it's a sad song, but it's, it's a great song. Now, this is a sad song. Almost one of the saddest songs I think I've heard. Um, April 69, it was a song written by Peter Green, of Fleetwood Mac. Of Fleetwood Mac. Indeed. Right, so, okay. Right, there's several Fleetwood Mac songs that year. Yes. Okay. And I had, I had one of them in my 20. The follow-up, this was the follow-up to their only UK number one, actually, Albatross. Right, another, okay. Another Peter Green tune. Right, so um, it wasn't, Albatross isn't the one on my list. No, okay, it's the follow-up to that. And... Okay, it it was I, must released. Have, I must have a different one then because it ain't sad. Well, I don't it's think called it's Man of the World. No, it's not that one. Okay, I'm trying the other ones they had that year. Maybe they had Oh Well, was that 69? Yeah, oh, or? yeah oh Well was well, that was the one. I like Oh Well. That's a, yeah, yeah. Oh Well, parts one and two. Now, this is Man of the World. Right, uh, okay. It was released on Immediate Records. Uh, I think the Small Faces were on Immediate um, huh? earlier on in the 60s. Um, but ironically, <laughs> Immediate Records collapsed immediately after this release um <laughs> so uh, who does is that who'd what makes it sad thank it uh go figure um <laughs> so it's the only fleetwood mac single to ever have been released on immediate records um it was a standalone single as there's a lot of those in the 60s um 
although it was released on subsequent compilations. It wasn't released in the US until 1976. I don't think it was a hit there, though. But in the UK in 1969, June, it made number two. So it wasn't a bad follow-up to Albatross. Um, And Peter Green was in a a bad way um, for a long period of time, and he eventually probably left the band, didn't he, and probably gave away all his possessions or whatever. On the B side was somebody's going to get their heads kicked in tonight, uh, which a number of people have uh, covered. Uh, guitarist Fleetwood Mac guitarist Jeremy Spencer wrote that one. Um, now, Mick Fleetwood has said it is a very, Mrs. Man of the World, a very prophetic song. Um, when Peter made these songs, we had no idea he was suffering internally as much as he was. But if you listen to the words, it's crucifyingly obvious what was going on a beautiful poignant song um i mean the last again quote the lyrics to the last verse um i guess i've got everything i need i wouldn't ask for more and there's no one i'd rather be but i just wish that i'd never been born i could tell you about my life and keep you amused i'm sure about all the times i've cried and how i don't want to be sad anymore and how I wish I was in love. That's how he finishes it. Um, oh, it's such it's a, not particularly uplifting, is it, really? It's not. Not an uplifting way to finish it. Come no. on, finish finish with a Sugar Sugar by Archies or something like that. That's what we need. Right, okay. That's so all of my 10 anyway. I've got a few reserves, as you have. Well, what I've are yours? Okay, well, I'll, tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you what my other two are to fill up my 10. Go on in. Uh, very quickly. So um, w- the two that just quite didn't make it onto my list were... Um, I um, got to number eight on the chart for three weeks in May of 1969. Pretty sure this is a one-hit wonder. Um, don't even know who the bloke is, but I love the song. No. Okay, singer is Noel Harrison. Oh, Noel Harrison. That would be... Oh. Um, Windmills of Your Mind. Yes. Lovely song. Good song. Good song. Yeah. Yeah, good song. It's, a, it's it, again, just a real memory of that time and listening to it on the radio mm. and it just being, and I, I liked the, maybe just because I was a kid, but I like that idea of the windmills of my mind, that kind of, you know, what's going on in mm. your head. I've got no idea whether that's actually what the song was about, but I just, uh, I just really liked it and I thought that it was, um, yeah, it was just a really another one of those really nice tunes, um, and quite a yeah, just a laid back kind of song that you know didn't demand anything of you, drifted in and out of your head. But it was uh, one of those ones where you just a wheel was it circle in a circle, the wheel within a wheel. So there was, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, just just that idea of things going round and thinking. Anyway, so that would have been uh, nice song, nice song. That would have been in there. And then <laughs> the other one, I've put this in deliberately um, because this is um, this is obviously a family show, but it's after the nine o'clock watershed. Uh, so the other one I've gone for is Your Ten by uh, Birkin and Gainsbourg. Um, right. And that was <laughs> that was October, and that was on the chart for nine weeks, and it got to number one, uh, which I just think says an awful lot about how sexually repressed the British were in 1969. Je uh, t'aime, moi non plus. Indeed, and uh, but again, joking aside, it's just uh, the production's brilliant, and the um, 
I, I just like the tune. I just think it's it's very sultry. It's very sexy. Why not? It's supposed to be. Um, and um, it's just, you know, it, what it ain't is rock. Uh, but I, I've always liked it. And when I saw that that was 1969, I thought, well, you know, hell, it was, it was the year of Woodstock. So there was a lot of it about. So let's have uh, let's have Birkin and Gainsbourg. So Jane Birkin and Serge Gainsbourg. Serge Gainsbourg, who I believe passed away very on this recently. day. Yeah, I, no, well, no, it wasn't very recently, but it was on this day. You put, maybe oh. you remember, maybe recently you saw a tweet from me, perhaps. Oh, of um, so it was on this day. It was probably about 15, 20 years ago, actually. That he well, that 15, um, that, was, that was yesterday, wasn't it? But oh, I mean, yeah. Jane, Jane Birkin, you know I mean? Jane Birkin, was she not in Death on the Nile? You what? She was on Death on the Nile, wasn't she? Not the recent Death on the Nile, obviously, but maybe the original one with Peter Peter Ustinov. Oh, yes, she probably was, actually. I think she was. What child of our generation didn't have a picture of uh, Jane Birkin on their wall at some stage? Or even Serge Gainsbourg. Well, he wasn't my type, but uh, (laughs) but Jane, I mean, really. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's my lot. That could well have been the first number one single in the UK that was banned. In sort of modern era. Possibly. Possibly. Because they wouldn't play it. Because no, of all the grunting noises that were going on. But, I mean, it was just grunting. I mean, I don't, I don't understand the BBC. It's a very strange organisation. Oh, well, they, 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 they don't have a podcast, do they? They <laughs> did. No, they don't. They should. That's probably why. We mentioned stuff like, je t'aime, moi non plus. So, can I just, okay, can I just ask the question? Because I was certain that you were going to have... Um, Hardy Kiss the Grapevine. Um, mate, I'll, I'll tell you why I haven't got Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Because I checked, and I believe it was released in September, October 1968. It only got to number one in January, I think, of 69 here. It might have been released before. That's probably one of the reasons I didn't okay. have it. Okay, I, d- I didn't know but that. It, yeah, it was, it was sort of on a, on a semi-reserve list. But yeah, okay. what are the other ones you thought and, I'd have? Um, and Space Oddity. I thought you'd have Space Oddity. Well, Space Oddity, 2001 Space Oddity. <laughs> one of your favourite films. <laughs> one of my favourite films. It's absolutely marvellous. I don't know who the actors are. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, great... yeah, Space Oddity, not Odyssey, but Space Oddity. I would have had that in. Definitely would have had that in. But as I said at the start, you know, there was a few... That I'd ha- I had Sugar Sugar by the Arches in my list, oh, but we, we talked about that because okay. of the one-hit wonders. Okay. Um, I would have had Thunder Clap Newman with Something in the Air. But we talked about that. On which also was one of the one-hit wonders we mentioned. Uh, Space Oddity we mentioned on the Bowie show that we did a few okay. weeks back. Um, and we probably mentioned it on something else as well. I can't remember. And one other I... Oh, what was the other one? Oh, the other one was from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I would have had raindrops keep falling on my head because I love that song. Well, that was 69 as well, was it? Okay, so... That was 69 as well. Right, Although so, it was the first number one in the US in 1970, but it was released in 69 and it was released here in 69. So given, it's, other it's conversations, given other conversations we've had, why did you not have any of the following three then? So Son of a Preacher Man, Dusty Springfield... Yeah, it's on my list here as well. Okay. Th- oh, no, hold on. It was on my list, but I've crossed it off. 
I think that might have been released in 68 as well. Well, was the next was, one? It, was, it was in the charts. It was in the charts in January, so possibly. Yeah, so it figures. Okay. Yeah. That might well, be why about, I haven't got it there. Okay, so what about Blackberry Way by the move? November 68 was Son of a Preacher Man. Now, Blackberry Way, I definitely would have had. Well, that was definitely very late 68. But it, the Blackberry was Way the charts, But it was in the charts in February. And it got to number one. I know it did, but it was definitely... I'm going to look that one up as well while we are here. Okay, I'm, I'm not arguing. I just, I just thought that. It, no, it, but that's why. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleased you're paying attention. That I should have the move because Roy Wood is one of my. Uh, that's heroes. why I was. That's why I was convinced you were going to. And um, what's one of the greatest pop songs ever as well? I think, and it's probably Roy Wood's favourite song as well. Um, by the move, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I've got it released in the UK, 28th of November, 1968. Oh, okay, right. That's well, why did, I didn't have it in there. Right, it didn't, but it didn't. It was in the charts in February, so it must. Yeah, have yeah. Been. And what about? Uh, did, have you got Delta Lady on your list? Well, no, I haven't got Delta Lady. Uh, Graham has, like he had. What was the other one we had for Graham? Okay. Um, I will come on to his at the end. Um, uh, yeah, that's covered my lot anyway. So. Okay, fair enough. Well, I've mentioned Sugar Sugar, Raindrops Could Falling on My Head, Thunderclap Newman, Space Oddity. Because I couldn't have Blackberry White, I nearly put another move song in called Curly. Right. Um, which I could have had. I also put in Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. Okay. Which was quite comedic. It was. Um, it's probably not very PC these days, of course, but uh, a, a mighty fine tune, I think. Um, the live version at San, San Quentin. Quentin. This yeah. is San Quentin, not the other one, Folsom. Um, but San Quentin. Uh, what else? Another one that I thought I'd leave to last to mention to you was Elvis in the ghetto. Of course, a yeah, song. fantastic song because Elvis knew everything about living in the ghetto because well, he was poverty stricken. He, he was he was ghetto mate. I think you're being a tad harsh on uh, Mr. Presley there. No, uh, I, he had the bling. He had the trousers around his ass. I mean, the whole <laughs> nine yards. He was absolutely ghetto. Well, he had the trousers on his ass when he died, probably, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Oh, yeah. I'll Never Fall In Love Again, Bobby Gentry. Good song. Oh, that is a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Akarak and David. That was a number yeah. one here. Yeah, good song. It was a big Dion Warwick hit over in the States. Uh, and two others. I've got, um, I had to throw in one of the early Bee Gees songs. It's a country ballad. Uh, written by Barry and Maurice Gibbs. Robin had done a runner at that point, and it's Don't Forget to Remember. I nearly forgot to remember it as well. I don't know that at all. Don't Forget to Remember Me. Uh, And finally, a very odd one, which you might might like. You might like. Um, It's an old Bob Dylan song called um, If You Gotta Go, Go Now, right? But it was strangely... Released in 1969, and you'll love this one, but translated into French. And it was the biggest hit, made number 21, in fact, in the UK, for Fairport Convention. And it was called Si tu dois partir. Okay. Do you know it? What? You like a bit of you like a bit of yeah, um, I just, I, running around my, the Maypole, don't you? With a my, no, but from my dealer. <laughs> From my dealer, I just bought uh, I just bought Legion Leaf, which is their their big album, which I I love. Um, 
But um, this is from yeah. the Half Bricking album. Yeah, no, I don't know. Okay, well, the Fairports. I mean, the Fairports were good, and as you, as we discussed earlier, they were basically the band in um, on Jesus Christ Superstar. So they also knew how to rock as well as uh, being uh, a folky act. But well, that's the my lot. That's my lot. So we can wrap up fairly quickly today, hopefully. Um, I've just got Graham's list here. A number of these we've mentioned already. Something by the Beatles. Um, <laughs> Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. Uh, Get Back by the Beatles. Interesting choice there. I love old Get Back. He hasn't got Ballad of the Johnny Yoko, otherwise he's got other Beatles singles for that year. Get Back in a factoid for you. Get Back was the only Beatles single ever to go directly in at number one in the charts. Uh, he's, he's got, I heard it through the grapevine, but I've written 68 question mark by it, so that can't be right. He's got a Salty Dog by Procol Horan, which I had. He's got Badge by Cream. Bloody hell. Was that Why did you have that one in? I, I, it wasn't on the list. I, because I didn't have much time, because everything going on, I literally yeah. just went to the chart list and, write, and just took the ones I knew from the charts. Come on, what have you got going on? Hey? What have you got? <laughs> Not much, eh? Um, Space Oddity, David Bowie. We've got The Tracks of My Tears. Yeah, Smokey. Robinson the Miracles. Uh, he's got Delta Lady, as I said, Joe Cocker. Um, Wichita Lineman, or as you would call Wichita, Wichita Lineman, Glenn Campbell, Israelites, Desmond Decker, or Decker. Oh, the <laughs> Israelites. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm being a bit of a bastard here. Okay. <laughs> um, it's quite funny. And finally, um, the theme from, oh, now which film was it? Was it The Midnight Cowboy? Harry Nielsen, everybody's talking. Was that Midnight Cowboy? Was wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was the thing for that. Nielsen, everybody's talking anyway. Um, I think Dylan's "Lay Lady Lay," or as we have, as we've already said, correctly, grammatically, should be "Lie Lady Lie." I mean, for goodness' sake, Bob, um, should have been the theme, but I don't think you could get it right in time, so they ended up using Nielsen's "Everybody's Talking." Right, and that's the lot then. So we've done all right there, and we've we finished up relatively quickly. It might not seem it to many, but we have. We have. Um, anything else to say about 1969? No, it was uh, it was um, the gateway to the 70s and the bookend of the 60s. That was it. That was oh, 69. <laughs> the summer of 69. <laughs> the summer of 69. As Brian Adams used to sing. Um, okay, yeah, that, so. That, that was nothing to do with chronology. I it know was, it was nothing. No, it wasn't. No, no. If we got away with it with Je Ten. Let's we've, not go down that route. Je Ten, one non plus, what's on neuf? No, 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 no. Rianne, au revoir, Stinky Pete. Merci pour la contribution ce soir. That's not French. You're just speaking English with a French accent. I can speak French. In, a, in an English accent. What do you want uh, me to do? Than, no, that was very good, Colin. Thank you very much. Well, this, this podcast will be posted to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public Breaker. It'll be on the Off The Record Facebook page. Uh, it's on the CBW Productions Facebook page uh, and their website as well, cbwproductions.com. 
Uh, and of course, despite Je T'aime, one non plus, and despite they're banning everything, like, I don't know, what did they ban? Everything. They probably banned Give George Formby with, a, with, my little stick, with my little stick of Blackpool rock. I think they banned that one they as well. That's suggestive. With his sticky rock in his jacket. And getting and close to the girl. But it will be, hopefully, one day. You never know. On the BBC. As Nick would say. God bless Nick, wherever you are. Um, so thank you very much, Pete, for coming along, getting your mind off. Us. I know you've got a lot going on um, with, with stuff that we won't mention, but um, thanks for coming on anyway. <laughs> sounds a bit sordid, doesn't it? But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So uh, in the meantime, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. On off. Thank you very much. <laughs>